Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for a second time this week to take a look back at the January transfer window, which slammed shut in the major European countries last night. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your guide, your host today. And I'm joined by our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, the window has slammed shut in my house um, and I was firmly off to bed at 11 o'clock. So it was lovely. Um, quite a slow deadline day. That's not actually that unusual, to be honest, in, in Jan. Um, I've definitely known windows like that to end that way. It's just there was no build up to it either, which was the, I guess, frustration with the window. Um sort of described as the transfer window that almost never happened because it just almost never came to life. Um Nevertheless, we did get a few deals done. I guess the reason that it feels a bit meh is because Arsenal didn't sign anyone. Chelsea didn't sign anyone. Liverpool didn't sign anyone. Man United didn't sign anyone. Newcastle didn't sign anyone. So clubs that you would typically think, yeah, they'll have a little bit of a go. They're bound to dig in at some point. Just didn't. And when those big clubs with all the money don't get too involved, you're left thinking, yeah, that was a bit drab. So I understand like why it was underwhelming, but I'm optimistic that things will bounce back in the summer and we'll get a good window. And for this moment right here, right now, let's focus on what was good about the transfer window that we did just have and some of the deals that did go through because there's some really nice deals in here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, in part one, we're going to talk about some Premier League deals. And then in part two, I'm going to walk through some of the ones on the continent that I thought were exciting and worth noting. So it's going to be a shorter episode, a little bit more of a blitz today. Just before we get into the Premier League, I thought this was, this was interesting. Spending by Premier League clubs in January dipped to a 12-year low after three successive windows in which the records were broken. So the combined outlay in the Premier League was £100 million, the lowest January spend in a non-COVID season since 2011-12. And last year, £843 million were spent in January by Premier League clubs, mostly Chelsea, but also a couple of others as well. And £30 million spent on deadline day, as opposed to £275 million spent on the same day 12 months ago. This is from a report by, by Deloitte. I thought what was really interesting is that spending across the rest of Europe rose. Serie A, La Liga, Liga, the Bundesliga rose to 388 million from 218 million from January 2023. And Ligue 1 had the highest gross transfer spend amongst Europe's big five with 162 million pounds spent. Then Premier League on 100, Serie A on 85, Bundesliga on 70, La Liga on 70 as well. Pretty nuts. First window since summer 2011 that the Premier League wasn't Europe's biggest spending league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, let's not forget like the ridiculous money that was spent in the summer window and the financial constraints that exist as a result of that. The fact that the Saudis haven't affected the Premier League spending quite like they did previously. And actually, that so many players were bought last summer that there probably is less need than ever for the Premier League clubs to actually have any Splash. need to go and buy anyone because they spent so much money and bought so many players in the summer. So it might become a trend that the January window becomes less of a thing for clubs to focus on. Um, I saw some suggestions actually that, to be honest, if this is what it's going to be like, what's the point? Just make a rule whereby your team is your team, start and finish. You can loan two players halfway through it if you're in an injury crisis and that's it. Um, but I don't think that's on the cards anytime soon. Interesting though, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, let's get stuck in for that £100 million spent by Premier League clubs. You're going to pick three of your favourite deals. What have you got? Yeah, I think... Um... My most, well, the favourite deal for me, mate, in terms of the Premier League is is the arrival of Gio Reyna at Nottingham Forest. Like, I just can't believe he plays for him, to be honest. I think that's why it's my favourite. The, the guy needed an escape from Borussia Dortmund. It wasn't working out for him. Um, we've seen him have tough times at international level. And then that was then running into his you know club form as well because things just weren't taking off of him and for him in Germany and he, he couldn't figure out a way to break through into that team Jaden Sancho ends up going to Borussia Dortmund which is a great move for Jaden and then Gio's got to make a decision he's got to move and I think for multiple reasons really Nottingham Forest could be a perfect club for him just for right here right now I don't think that Nottingham Forest will be the next long-term club for Giovanni Reina. Um, not too much disrespect here to Nottingham Forest, but one, I do think he is better than them. Um, but two, I think his ambition is probably higher. But first and foremost, he's got to go and, and prove it now. There was so much interest in him. When he became available at Dortmund, there was you know, clubs in France, uh, Spain, Italy, all interested in signing him. But I spoke to people around this, and I mean, even in the the chat yesterday when, with you and Sam, you know, the, one of you said, you know, 
why is Gio Reyna at Nottingham Forest? Like, how does this even happen? Um, and partly it's because, you know, his, his father, Claudio Reyna, was a, a good Premier League player in his time, um, was involved in the negotiations and the decision-making around what his next club would be. And when this first started to come around, I too was thinking, how has this happened? But it turns out that they have links with Nottingham Forest and they started delving deeper into that relationship that kind of existed on a personal level to figure out if Rayner would definitely fit into that structure and if he could thrive in that structure. Obviously, Nottingham Forest signed a ridiculous number of players. Since being promoted to the Premier League, they've almost signed 50 players. So not everybody has success there. But they believe that at this time, in this moment, being in an environment like that was most suitable to him. There was a couple of other vague offers from within the Premier League, but Forrest was the best one for them. And also the fact that he can, you know, it doesn't seem a lot, but even speak living in an English-speaking country, a time when you're trying to just get your foundations, get your footing, have familiarities, things like that help. And I think that for Giovanni Reyna to now be spending the rest of the season in the Premier League will be a massive boost for him. And we'll also figure out whether he can go and rekindle some sort of career at Borussia Dortmund or whether he has to look for a permanent move on the back of this. Um, it's not going to be easy. He's really got to push himself into the spotlight here and make this work for him because Nottingham Forest are not a team that are going to flourish and allow him the freedom or to be a luxury player. So that's something that's going to be interesting. He's going to have to dig in and make this work. But I think that's what makes it even more exciting. The self-motivation that is needed here from Giovanni Reyna to make sure that this works out. I feel like it's not a high-pressure situation for him, which is also good. It's got to come from within here. He's made the move. He's in the Premier League. It's a league that I think can suit him. And yeah, I, I honestly do feel that for Nottingham Forest to land this player is the best deal I've seen anybody do in the Premier League across this window. So I have concerns with this. And it's not anything to do really with Forrest or Rayner. It's just that I think that he has a massive Morgan Gibbs-White shaped obstacle to starting in pretty much any game, to be perfectly honest with you. I think we've seen... Rayner playing back in this USMNT setup in the number 10 position in front of, you know, two holding midfielders and thriving. I think when we've seen him pushed wide for Borussia Dortmund, that's when he struggled to impact games. I think there was something that the USMNT struggled with when they were trying to fit him into a structure that allowed him, you know, allowed them to play with three central midfielders. I just don't think he's going to displace Gibbs White. And then if he does that, the answer is then, oh, does Gio Rayner play wide? Which I don't think suits him. And so this is my major concern with this transfer. And look, I feel like at the moment, Forest fans are going to be listening slash seeing what I'm writing on Twitch and thinking, he just keeps, he keeps going for us. And I don't mean that in any sort of way at all. I'm a bit concerned with Forest signing of Matt Sells because I don't think he's the keeper upgrade that they think he is. But, you know, if they needed a new goalkeeper and that seems to be the kind of overarching opinion amongst the Nottingham Forest fan base, then fine. I just think that you need to upgrade if you're going to have two keepers on the books already. And with this one, I'm just wary that Gio Reyna is not going to get that much playing time in his preferred position. And that kind of scares me because I feel like he needed those minutes. 
That's the reason he left Borussia Dortmund because he wasn't getting those minutes. Now he's got to get past Gibbs White, who's probably the best player, maybe aside from Murillo, in this Nottingham Forest team. How does that work? He won't be playing centrally, will he? Um, he's going to have to accept that he's out on the flanks and he's, have, he's, going to, he's going to have to adapt to that. That's personally how I see it. But I think that actually Reina can be very influential and effective from wide positions in the Premier League. And I think that's probably what he'll have to accept is that life doesn't always go your way. You can't always get what you want. And if you couldn't get into that role at Borussia Dortmund and play that role in the Bundesliga, the chances of him being able to, and given the trust to do that within the Premier League, is probably even lower. So I completely take your point in terms of not playing his best position. But we have seen at times, you know, Forrest play with, with uh, players out wide that actually I think that system could suit Reyna. And end of the day, he's got no choice. It's like adapt to survive if you want to thrive. And that's that's the situation he's got to now deal with. Mm. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Alanga and Callum Hudson-Odoi are back as well, though. I mean, he's yeah, obviously had some out. sort of, um, you know, guarantees around where he will be playing because there are such good relationships between his agent and his dad and Nottingham Forest. And they've been watching Nottingham Forest games to discover what his role would be. So they will already know exactly where he's going to be playing. And if those promises aren't don't come off, then Gio's, yeah, to be fair, would be in big trouble. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see how that one works out. I really do hope that it works out for Reina at Forest because there's definitely a talent there. Just nice to see him playing again. Yeah. Um, we've seen very little of that at Borussia Dortmund this year. Who are you moving on to next, DJ? It's got to be Timo Werner, to be honest. Um I know some people will be groaning as they hear those words because a lot of people don't seem convinced that this is a good deal. But I think from what we've seen so far, we've already seen him improving at Tottenham. I think that Ange Postacoglu was very pleased with his last outing. And to have, so he should have been. He was excellent. Exactly. And I think to have a player like this, again, with self-motivation is a really, really key thing because Tottenham have a player here. That, well, Tottenham are in a situation where they can't lose. I mean, you've got Timo Werner. You couldn't have signed another player of Timo Werner's quality in this transfer window to play that position. Like, you couldn't have bought a player in, of, of that good because the, the money wasn't there. And to be fair, the availability of player wasn't really there. So to have got him on loan initially is great. And then to know you've also got the option to then go and buy him if things do go well. Even better. I think that this is honestly such a, a nice deal for Tottenham to tie up so early on in the transfer window as well. Still, everybody's talking about them. You know, do they need a Kane replacement, this and that? Well, Richarlison's in a, a really hot vein of form at the moment. Um, as good a form, to be honest, as we've seen from him in the last three years. And um, yeah. so that's all fine. Son will be coming back into the picture later on in the month. And I think that Timo Werner is just going to grow into this team even more. And in terms of reliability, fine. In terms of pedigree, great. And really, this guy can help Tottenham push the ceiling. And what they're capable of is really going to depend on exactly how much of his old qualities we manage to see. And I, th I think the signs are already good. And I was definitely um, hesitant about putting him into this list. But that performance last time out against Brentford convinced me that actually, no, this is, a, this is one of the best signings we've seen in January. Remember when Ange Postacoglu joined Tottenham, I talked about the kind of players he likes. And I mentioned Dyson Maida, who I believe I've previously called 
a Japanese Timo Werner regen. <laughs> and I was like, all of the work rate, brilliant positioning, gets into dangerous areas, not great in front of goal. And suddenly, Ange Postacoglu has the real deal in front of him. He has the actual Timo Werner. <laughs> and I think what we've seen so far is that the qualities that Werner brings, that you know, extensive work rate, that ability to stretch defences, all of that is so crucial to the way that an Ange Postacoglu side wants to operate. And the fact that he's been able to rack up three assists already in the Premier League since joining, do I expect Timo Werner to bang in 10 goals between here and the end of the season? No, of course I don't. But could he get to 10 assists? Absolutely. Why not? And that might just be as important for kind of getting the best out of Sarnak, getting the best out of Richarlison to actually make the difference in this Spurs team and might be the difference between them getting Champions League or not. So I completely agree. Couldn't agree more. I, I think the Timo Werner is a brilliant signing for Spurs. I'm absolutely delighted for him that he's getting this opportunity to kind of silence the, the, the noise that surrounded him. And, you know, you saw a bit of it when he came back, but there was a lot of noise around Timo Werner. And just that ability to come in and be like, all right, hush down. That was a situation that I wasn't being played in the roles that suited me best. Now, look at me. Look at me under Ange. You bet your bottom dollar he's going to score against Chelsea as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be pretty ironic if he does. Um, I'll wrap it up, mate, with number three. As a player that I really didn't know much about until very recently. And to be honest, can't make an impact anytime soon. But from what I've seen on YouTube, from everything I've read about this guy so far... And from understanding what this deal could become, Claudio Echeverri joining Manchester City from River Plate in Argentina has such big potential. So this deal mm -hmm. has gone through right now and it's a deal, very good value, £12.5 million as it stands, but there could be add-ons that, that come later on. He won't actually arrive uh, in Manchester for, for another year, but... That doesn't really matter. I mean, the way this guy is talked about, he's 18. He's talked about, I mean, we've heard the next Messi a million times before, but at least he's actually already wearing um, an Argentina number 10 shirt. So that's, that gives him a, a step up from what most people get normally in their, in their Messi comparisons. He's unbelievable on the ball. Like sometimes, you know, you hear about a player and you're like, right, got to check him out. I'll spend some time watching YouTube videos. And you watch you watch a couple of minutes of it and you're like, okay, I can see what it's about. Uh, just flick it off. I couldn't really stop watching this guy, to be honest. And it makes me very excited about the fact that, if you think about it, I mean, Julian Alvarez, when he came in um, to Manchester City, was kind of a similar story to this. And at the time, you said Julian Alvarez would be a massive success and actually he'd make an impact pretty quickly. Again, at the time, didn't really know much about him. He's done it. Like Alvarez has been absolutely stepped up to the plate and, and done it in Manchester City. This guy, the way that he... Well, he has that low center of gravity straight away. He has the control yeah. straight away. Um, he seems like he has a real knack for either creating opportunities for himself or breaking into positions where the ball is just going to fall. And that is something that you can't teach at this age. Like he's he's so young still that that is just intuition. So he's got something that most players just don't have and can't have. 
he's already way ahead of what you would expect most players to have in their locker. You know, the messy comparisons are going to be inevitable given where he's from, given the type of player he is, given the shirt number he wears. The thing is, he actually could be the next Messi if he was to fulfill his potential because he's unbelievable. He's actually unbelievable when you see what he's capable of in small spaces, when he's given room to run into, when he gives him space to have a shot. Like Whatever situation you put him into, it seems to me he does make the right decisions already. He's absolutely terrifying. And... If this is the version of him now that Manchester City are signing fresh and raw, imagine the version we're going to get of this lad in two or three years' time when he's actually turning into a man. Like This, is, this really has to be one of the most exciting transfers long-term that we've seen this window. Yeah, I mean, I'm very, very excited. So I watched a fair bit of him in the under-17s for Argentina and he was absolutely sensational um, at, at that tournament. He just brought the thunder in so many ways. He scored a hat-trick against Brazil in the Under-17 World Cup back in November in, in the quarterfinals. He was unplayable. I think the Messi tag's a bit heavy. And I, okay. I obviously, it's going to be thrown around. It's a diminutive Argentine number 10. The player he reminds me of is Pablo Weimar. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That's the, the, as you say, those wriggling out of small space. Now, Pablo Aymar is one of my favorite footballers of all time. So uh, this is high praise coming from me. But he reminds me of Aymar. It's it's that more of that actual number 10 role, you know, playing more centrally than we've really rarely seen Messi, you know, actually off the flank. Yes, he drifts inside, but you very rarely see Messi play as an out and out number 10. I think Ekaveri has that in his locker and Imar was more of that kind of player who, who sort of pop up behind the striker. As you say, he has that knack for appearing in the right places. It's incredibly difficult to get the ball off him. And he has that sense of, of where the goal is as well. I, I am pretty confident that Ekaveri is going to be a success. You know, even if he's not a success at Manchester City, I think he's going to be a success at a top club in Europe somewhere because he has everything you need to succeed. And, you know, the reports coming out of Argentina also talk about his mentality and the fact that you know, he's been making the right decisions, not just in his career, but on the pitch as well, since a very, very young age. You know, just that natural footballing intelligence, when to, you know, when to give, when to release, when to know when to go with the ball. They were like, that's all natural. And look, Gallardo's spoken of him in absolutely glowing terms. You know, when he was on the verge of signing for River and he was like, look, it might not work out. I might have to leave. And Gallardo was like, absolutely not. You are staying here mm-hmm. and you are going to be part of this club. And... You know, it's all worked out beautifully. Now, this is exactly the same route that Alvarez took, you know, coming from River, going back on loan, and then being able to make an impact, you know, when he came in a little bit later on. I can see exactly the same thing happening here. I'm incredibly excited about this one, DJ. I thought you might be. Yeah, I mean, look, there's not many, many times you get a, a Pablo Aymar little <laughs> kind of... No, what's not to love? A, a regen. Um, his, his nickname is El Diablito, which I love, Little Devil. Which I just think is is really really fun. Um, but there was a Bolivian player, I think Echeverry potentially, which also who also had this one. So yeah, just a a real nice one. He's been playing or training at least with the Argentina senior squad as well. There's that level of of what's going on. I, I really really like him. He's a lot of fun, um, a delight to watch on the ball. And I think actually something that's probably maybe not talked about enough and that maybe this won't be a factor because we don't, we never know where Bernardo Silva is going to end up. 
But if he gets under that Bernardo Silva tutelage, mm-hmm. he's in a very, very good spot for someone who he can look at and be like, oh, I can emulate yeah. what you can do. I think that's a, that would be an incredible tutor for him in a way that, you know, we look at, we talk about that David Silva, Phil Foden thing quite a lot. If Ecaveri was able to learn yeah. from Bernardo Silva, I think that would be an incredible thing for his career. Yeah, 100%. Okay. All righty. Well, with that, we will round off our Premier League section. We'll be back after the break with a couple of transfers from the continent that we like the look of. Don't go anywhere. Right, we're back, Rank Squad, and you've heard enough from me. Now it's time to hear the transfers that really matter because Jack, of course, has had his eye on everywhere but the Premier League, really, across the last month. And he's going to dig into a few that might be obscure but might also just be mega. Jack, what have you got for us, mate? Okay, yeah, let's get into it. And I'm going to start with a player that I've loved for a long, long time. And it's Borja Iglesias, who has left Real Betis, which I'm sad about, but he wasn't actually playing very much. He's gone to Bayer Leverkusen. Now, 1.5 million euro loan fee, an 8 million euro option. Mm. And in the absence of Boniface, who's got a long-term injury and looks like he's going to be out for the season, I think this is really smart from Leverkusen. Obviously, we saw them draw... Nil-nil with Gladbach at the weekend. And they created a lot of chances, didn't take any of them. And Iglesias last season was the top Spanish scorer in La Liga. He was the man who fired Betis to you know the, the Europa League spots again. He was a big part of this team over the last couple of years as they won the Copa del Rey. He has been a huge part of this Betis renaissance under Manuel Pellegrini. And he's fallen out of favour this year for various reasons in a slight squad restructure. But Still a really, really good goal scorer, a physical box threat, someone who's good in the air. Also, you know, someone who sniffs around and gets those poachers finishes. And I think with the amount that Leverkusen are creating right now, this feels like a really sensible move to try and help them push over the line. The other thing, Dean, is that he's a wonderful character. He's a big, big character. He's one of those players that stepped up and and spoken out when there have been issues in the Spanish game. He was one of the first players to condemn Rubiales after the summer and basically be like, right, we're not playing for the Spain national team until this is sorted out. Him and Hector Bellerin together in that. He feels like the kind of character that the German fans, I think, are going to love. He's brash and bold, but he's also got a very, very strong moral conscience. He's someone that, that stands up for things he believes in. I'm a big fan of this as a kind of fit because this Leverkusen side, obviously trying to push Bayern all the way, trying to make sure that they can get rid of those Leverkusen tags, et cetera, et cetera. I just think this is the exact type of profile that they've gone nailed on goals. And they've sort of just addressed the main issue, the gaping hole that Boniface left. Very different type of player, but one that absolutely will be able to score the goals that will keep them in contention for the title. Yeah, and I believe you can stay, can't he, beyond this season too? If things yeah, eight go million well. option. Yeah, which is you know that that's a good deal to have on the table because look, let's not beat about the bush. There's a decent chance that Boniface has offers to leave in the summer, and if Xavi Alonso does end up Leverkusen, then there's always the potential that two or three big players end up leaving that squad too. So to have a player like Iglesias coming into that team. Um, understanding the philosophy that's got them to where they are right now and being part of that charge to try and get over the line and win the Bundesliga and then having the opportunity to potentially stay and see them through what will be a tricky period if Alonso does end up leaving could be really important. So, yeah, I think that 
having the right character, having the right playing profile too, makes it a double-edged score and a, a double-edged win, really, um, for Leverkusen. Look, they've got their work cut out to maintain the, the type of form that they've shown across the first half of the season. They couldn't stand still here. And as soon as you're you're missing your, your goal scorer, you've got to back it up. Yeah, we looked in the Premier League at Arsenal not signing a striker. But that wasn't the same. You know, If Arsenal would have su- suffered an injury, say, to Gabby Jesus, then they would have had to replace. And Leverkusen are just in a situation where they just had to go and do something smart and it looks like they've done it. Yeah, I will miss the panda in Andalusia, I've got to say, but uh, I'm <laughs> delighted he's gone to Leverkusen. Of all teams, it felt like a nice one for, yeah. for him to end up at. So I'm absolutely delighted with that. Well, a move from Spain to Germany there, but I'm going to go someone coming in to the Spanish league for actually my second and first picks here. But at number two, I've gone for Gerson Mosquera, who's joined Villarreal on loan from Wolves. He'd spent the majority of, of sort of the last calendar year on loan at FC Cincinnati in MLS, where he was absolutely exceptional. Colombian defender, um, a real talent. And he was a big, big part of this Cincy defense that was ranked number one in MLS and, you know, one supporter's shield by some distance. They didn't go on to win MLS Cup, but this was a very, very well-drilled defense in front of a very, very good Cincy team. And Mosquera was a big part of that. It felt like he was ready for a next step. And actually, I think this Villarreal side is a really good moment for him to step into. They have been pretty poor this season. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. They've gone through three or four managers already. It really hasn't been pretty. Um, we saw players leaving, the likes of Ben Brereton and Diaz as well. But I think that actually Mosquera is someone who can come in in this environment and thrive. Now, obviously, the old guard of the Villarreal defensive line has been broken up a little bit. We saw Pau Torres leave in the summer, join Aston Villa. It felt like he hasn't really been replaced. Mateo Gabia came in. Didn't really cut the mustard, but he's now gone back to Milan anyway. So it was one of those they felt that they needed to bring him back. I think Mosquera comes in here and gets a really good run of games towards the end of the season. And I think this will be a launch pad that means that next season, Mosquera is probably starting for Wolves in the Premier League because he has all the attributes, all the ability to be, I think, a really, really top-class defender. Um, and these loan moves, I think, have been really well worked by Wolves. But since he was a perfect space, for him to be in and to land. And then suddenly he's like, okay, they're pulling him back. Obviously the 2023 season ended in MLS. What's he going to do for this six months? Cause he's probably not quite ready for that Wolves squad just yet. Out to La Liga, out to Villarreal. I think this is a perfect move for him, for Wolves and for Villarreal. Uh, literally 10 out of 10, almost no notes. Wow. I didn't know it was that good, to be honest. Um... I really like, I really like him. I thought he was excellent in MLS. Look, obviously it's a step up. So he might come in here and actually we might look at this and be like, ooh, he hasn't been able to make that jump. But everything I saw from him, and I watched a lot of MLS obviously writing for them, Mm. made me think that this was a player ready to make If he had come through at an MLS club and we'd just seen the season he just delivered, I would be sitting here saying there should be European interest in this guy. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, Wolves had him on the bench a couple of times recently. Um, So it's given a bit of uh, insight and motivation for him too. Obviously, a, a vast uh, change when you've been playing in MLS and then you come and into the Premier League at the club that own you and you start to see the environment and how different the intensity is of, of a week-by-week a week life of being a footballer in the Premier League. Because it is stark compared to, to MLS. You know, you've seen Gareth Bale talk before about when you're in MLS, defeats don't hurt as much. 
it's like, okay, well, on to the next one. We're not going to get relegated. Um, every game in the Premier League hurts if you lose. And he'd have seen like recently what Wolves have been going through and how much it means to them to be in the position they are right now in the Premier League and not being in a scrap. And going to Villarreal is, is going to be a, a massive insight too in to further understanding that European mindset and that top level mentality that's needed to succeed. So as I say, I didn't realise he was good enough to be considered like this good of a signing. But um from a personal level for him, like this will be key because if he can get back into that um that conversation at Wolves and there's going to be positions opening up in the summer there and it'll be interesting if he can grab hold of one of them. Yeah, I mean, look, the growth we saw from him in MLS was spectacular, yeah. I thought. Like, very, very impressive. And he, he kind of joined and everyone was a bit like, who's this kid? And then by the end of it, you're like, oh, that's a rock in the heart of the Cincy defence. And, <laughs> and that kind of growth, exactly what Wolves would have been hoping yeah, for, exactly, right? Yeah. When they sent him off there. And so I think that growth probably bodes well for this next move. That's the bit that I think, okay, if he can grow that much in a single season at Cincy, what are we going to see from him at Villarreal? Now, different challenge, mm. different end of the table, not going to be challenging for honours, going to be challenging to to try and, you know, bring Villarreal out of the relegation vortex and into sort of mid-table and comfortable where they feel they should be. But yeah, I think it's a big step up and a learning curve, but one that I think he's going to take with both hands. So I'm very, very excited about that. Very good. All right, at number one, and I think the best signing of the entire transfer window, full stop, anywhere across the world. Arta Vermeeren from Royal Antwerp to Atletico Madrid. 18 million euros, potentially rising to 23 million euros. And for a player who has been coveted by pretty much every big name across the European scene, for Atleti to have picked him up, at less than 20 million euros, I think is an absolute steal. 18-year-old Belgian talent who has been a shining light for Antwerp. Now, the club are cash-strapped, which is why they've had to basically do a deal at this kind of price. They couldn't afford not to sell him at this point. But I think Atleti is a perfect home for Vermeeren. And sometimes when you talk about players, you think about Simeone's sides, and a lot of people will bring up Joao Felix. They talk about the fact that he isn't always the best manager for a young player to have. But I think that Vermeeren fits this Atleti side like a glove. So he's already made his debut, his starting starting debut in midweek, uh, where he played alongside Pablo Barrios. And I think between them, we are looking at the future of an Atleti midfield completely reborn. And it makes me incredibly excited. Vermeeren, one of the few bright spots for Antwerp in the group stage of the Champions League. It was a pretty chastening experience for them, I think, full stop. But the way that he is able to patrol in midfield, to pick those passes from deeper areas, to break lines from deep, he has a little bit of everything. And I think that the midfield three in a Simeone 3-5-2 is the perfect place for him to land. Now, he's going to have guiding lights in midfield in the likes of Saul, in the likes of Koke, and alongside him, another rising star in Barrios that he can learn to combine with. I'm incredibly excited about all of this. And I think that given Vermeeren's potential now, I said wanted by the elite cast, you can name them off. He was looked at by Arsenal, by Manchester City, by Manchester United, by Liverpool, by Barcelona and Real Madrid. He was talked about as a potential Bayern midfielder. And instead, he's ended up at Atleti. And I think this is spot on. 
because he's going to get that opportunity to start games. He's going to be given the opportunity to make a name for himself in this midfield. As I say, he's got those guiding lights around him, players who have been there and done it in the heart of this midfield in particular for a long, long time, but also been up there with the best players, you know, best midfielders on the planet across the course of, of their careers. He's got good, good advice around him in that he said that he spoke to Toby Alderweireld, um, who's obviously an ex Atleti player himself. He was the captain of, of Royal Antwerp. He spoke to Axel Witzel, who is a Belgian at Atletico Madrid right now. They've got a rich history I think when you're when you're looking at the Belgians who have who have really thrived under Simeone at Atletico Madrid, we're talking about you know a very very impressive cast of players. Um, Alvera, as we mentioned, Yannick Carrasco, Courtois, Axel Witzel. So this is a a good pipeline, but also he's joining an Atleti side who are in a a kind of sense of transition in many ways because we are seeing a lot of young players start to emerge in this team. Now, we're already talking about Samuel Lino and, and Rodrigo Raquelme, or Roro, as, as he's known, but also Samuel Amorodion's Amor- out on, on loan and, and doing really well and is seen as someone who can come back in the way that maybe Raquelme did last year or as Lino and actually infiltrate and be part of the first team going forward. Uh, Santiago Mourinho is there as well. It's a kind of core that could form basically the basis of this next Atleti generation. And I think that he could well be the heartbeat of it. He is that good, uh, a player that has the ability to rise to the absolute top of the game. And I can't wait to see him continue to grow. The fact he's already made his full debut and, and started a game, I think bodes really well for the future. It's all incredibly exciting around Arta Vermeeren right now. Well, I think that probably rounds off this episode. That's all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins, Neighbor of Hearts. This has been a bonus episode of Ranks FC. If you want more content from us, please do come over and have a look at the Patreon. There's all sorts on there. AFCON and Asian Cup shows. There's our usual Monday post box, looking back at all the weekend's action. Our Friday fiestas, looking forwards to the weekend and anything that went down in midweek. There is loads to get your teeth into. We'd love you to come over and free trials are still available start of a new month always a good time to get involved thank you so much for listening as ever and we'll see you very shortly take it easy rank squad peace final seconds of the game a chance to score and the chance has gone begging if your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities get the mvp you deserve get shopify Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way 
This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.